0: Blind Tiger Record Club is the only monthly subscription vinyl club where you choose the genre of music you receive. Offering new records in singer-songwriter, rock, alternative, and now jazz, soul, and blues, you'll always love the new music you get in the mail each month. They also pack their boxes with fun little goodies. And just the other day, I got a Blind Tiger coffee mug in the mail just for being a member. I love Blind Tiger, and I know you will too. Listeners to The Pivot can get 50% off their first month subscription with code THEPIVOT at checkout. Blind Tiger Record Club. Your vinyl, your choice. From Nashville, Tennessee, this is The Pivot. Stories of people who've made a change. Welcome to The Pivot. My name is Andrew Osinga. My guest today is my old friend, Sandra McCracken. So I moved to Nashville 21 years ago uh, to be a freshman at Belmont University. And probably two days into my time here in Nashville, uh, some new friends said, hey, let's go see a concert. And yeah, of course. So I went to a concert and the opening act Of the very first uh, show I ever went to in Nashville was Sandra McCracken. She was, I think, uh, maybe a junior in college at the time. And she was amazing. And clearly, she's only gotten better. uh, But she's always just had an amazing musical gift and spirit. And that has just come uh, to more and more fruition over the years. She's just released a new project called Songs from the Valley. And it is wonderful. And there's a lot of life and history that goes into this project. Uh, We'll hear a bit about that, Um, and we'll just hear about the journey uh, from kind of how she approaches music now and the various ways in which she uses it. It's just a great conversation. Uh, I'm always inspired by the work that she does, and I know that you will too. I had a great weekend this past weekend in Texas. Uh, My family and I went to the Laity Lodge family camp. It was our first time there, and it was just wonderful. I was the musician, uh, but we really just got to experience uh, a weekend off there's no internet you're in a canyon it's beautiful Uh, we went fishing and kayaking and ate good food made good friends and that was a sweet time then I got to play in Round Rock Texas had a really fun show there Uh, it's going to be a couple weeks before I have any more shows but I will keep you up to date on those as uh, we get closer the first single from my new album, The Painted Desert, is out now on Spotify and iTunes. It's called The Year of the Locust, and I would love it if you would check that out and uh, download it, stream it, give it five stars, whatever. Um, that would be awesome. But you can't listen to that while you're listening to this podcast, and that's not why you clicked on this podcast. You did because you want to hear this conversation I had with Sandra McCracken. Here you go. The National Worship Leader Conference is coming up this May, and they have a special opportunity for you. It's the chance to spend 10 minutes with one-on-one coaching professionals from the Slingshot Group. With many successful ministry hires, Slingshot will be available to review your resume, give you feedback, and help with guidance for your future. Want 10 minutes with them? Stay tuned for the sign-up opportunity and mark your calendars for the National Worship Leader Conference, May 7th through 9th here in Nashville. For more information, visit worshipleader.com. Located in beautiful Franklin, Tennessee, New College Franklin is a four-year Christian liberal arts college dedicated to excellent academics and discipling relationships among students and faculty. They seek to enrich and disciple students intellectually, physically, emotionally, and spiritually to guide them to wisdom and a life of service to God, neighbors, and creation. It's a sacred space where intellectual development occurs through conversation in small classroom settings, covering the great works of literature, philosophy, and theology. For more, please visit newcollegefranklin.org. from st louis right is that where you're like born and raised
1: yeah i'm from st louis um big family we kind of grew up in the suburbs my parents actually grew up downtown they met in high school in the city of st louis you know yeah roosevelt high school so it's like uh my family roots are there and they grew up kind of in the flats which are the apartments with the flat tops you know Mm -hmm. and then um we moved out to the suburbs and um and lived in a little ranch house with five kids um you know it was kind of a three bedroom house but yeah we were all piled in there and hmm. yeah so. so where are you
0: in the lineup of kids um,
1: I'm the I'm the youngest
0: you're the youngest
1: yeah what was
0: that like so how how much older are your older, older siblings
1: Um, it's a 14 year age difference between cow, the top, from top to bottom yeah yeah, it was great. I loved the experience. Um, enough people for a wiffle ball team, you know. You can always have some organized sport going on in the front yard. My dad was a teacher um, and a coach, and so that plus cousins and the extended family—like mm-hmm. we we had—it um, was just always kind of a circus and in yeah. the best way. Like it was just a lot of activity. So I'm I'm more reserved. I'm more quiet um, by probably my natural temperament. A little bit more um, introspective, but I didn't know it then. And I just loved being on the edges of things. So I hmm. just kind of, I loved all the activity, but didn't necessarily instigate it. You know? Yeah. So, um, I was probably taking notes on a lot of things and then <laughs> trying to figure it out later. I'm still trying to figure it out.
0: Yeah. So was, was the rest of your family very musical? Did you, was that pretty natural for you?
1: Um, everybody loved music, but not not ple- not necessarily musicians. Mm-hmm. So we had a record player, and that was the centerpiece for our house. Um, it makes me sound so old, but I mean, it was really it was the thing. It was a big piece of furniture. And like, a, oh, one and of the, a, was it one of those old yeah. like? It's like bigger than a dresser. Yeah. You put and you put the records on, and it takes over the house because you you know. And it was in our living room. Um, I think we had a. I think we must have had a TV in the basement. Where it was kind of like a little setup. Mm-hmm. But so that was much more primary in our social time together than, and it wasn't like, oh, my parents are being, it's just the way it was. Yeah. You know, they weren't trying to be intentional about that. It's just how it was, um, I actually haven't thought of it quite so clearly, but it was important, you know, yeah. music was important. So
0: that's cool, you know when we bought this house, there was one of those in the basement, oh wow, when it was like six feet long, big wooden yeah. thing, and I was so excited about it, and that there was no way to get it working, yeah, and they yeah. just left it when they sold the house. but wow. um, that's cool, so you but you can so when did you start writing songs? you came to, you were probably already a songwriter when you came to Nashville.
1: I came to Nashville to go to college, um and so I started writing songs probably in Middle school, maybe even earlier. Hmm. I've actually found some little cards. And, like, I have a box from my parents' house that had piano books. and So I started playing piano when I was really young and would sing and play kind of all at once um, as I was learning. And I'd sing from the hymnal and I would make up songs and I'd play show tunes and pop music and Mm -hmm. all all the rest. So in somewhere in there I started writing my own songs. They were terrible songs, but, you know, the – the um, trying to reflect maybe um, trying to get get at uh, the the practice of expression in some way mm-hmm. you know so I, I found a few of those recently I showed my daughter she's eight and I was like and she was asking me, do you remember the music I don't remember the music, but I'd write out this the poetry and then put little chords above it and I was oh, I somehow playing along yeah, so
0: that's wonderful. yeah, my girls they make songs all the time yeah. Since we have recording stuff, they'll record them and they'll oh my listen. Gosh. Even two years later, she's my oldest daughter. Is twelve. She'll listen when she's ten. She's so embarrassed, but oh my they gosh, listen to it, they listen to it over and over. Like it'll, they love be, hearing it.
1: it'll be cool to see how that where that takes them. Having the it. accessibility to right? to document it and to well, just to value it. You know that this is like a le- legitimate. It's a legitimate way of life. Yeah. <laughs> you know to express yeah. yourself through song. Yeah. But as a kid, I don't think I was aware of that. I was just I couldn't help but like, talk about how I felt mm-hmm. by way of music, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. So what, what then what led you to deciding to go to, like, move to a music school, music city?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I was probably... It's, it was probably a little bit of it was paying attention to, um, you know, reading liner notes or seeing where things yeah. come from and realizing, like, there's something happening in Nashville. I mean, from Johnny Cash um, to later for me personally. So some of the references were um were my siblings, my older siblings, which would be the music I was listening to. Mm-hmm. Um The Eagles, John Denver, Johnny Cash. I mean, which is not all Nashville centric, but it had that what I later realized was like country music. And yeah. and I but that doesn't it's not how we think of country music today. But at the time there was pop music and like in the 70s and in that era that I was kind of born into and on the end of, you mm-hmm. know, was um, was really shaping, like, to what I thought was, um, what, yeah, was just shaping to my aesthetic of, yeah, of sound and, and all that. So, so I was probably naturally drawn to Nashville in some ways. And then uh, when I was looking at schools, I remember visiting here um, at one point. I was just remembering this recently, but and um, the idea that I could potentially live in Nashville someday just like made me want to cry, you know, hmm. as a kid. And I I don't know how to explain that. I don't know if you have that, like where there's just a place you've wanted to live or a way that you kind of have – it's like foreshadowing or something, just Mm -hmm. this emotional attachment, and you don't really know exactly why. Yeah. So hearing stories, um, I remember seeing Amy Grant perform as a little girl, and she was barefoot and at Six Flags and, like, just so much joy. And I was just, like, enamored with that. Yeah. I I remember thinking, I don't – what is this? You know, and it was like, it, in a sense, it was like the sacred, the sacred quality of like I think this is pleasing to God, and yet we're out here playing. We're at Six Flags. We're going to roller coasters, and then this this integration of like all those things that I mm-hmm. I just couldn't make sense of together. Like we weren't in a church, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, and growing up with a lot of pop music, but then trying to meld and understand the connection between faith and and um and wh- how all that fits together and what we have permission to do i think that was all forming for you yeah me, that and as a sense. kid
0: you don't you don't think in those terms you just yeah you, you absorb go, it there's so many things i love happening right now yeah. you know, and you just are kind of happy with yeah, it you're yeah you're moved by it yeah. and
1: you can't and somehow it's it's bringing pieces of of you together in yeah. in a moment you know
0: yeah it's like the more we know about it the more we kind of deconst- we're able to deconstruct that yeah It still doesn't lose its magic, but you almost don't want to deconstruct that. Yeah, absolutely. Let it be precious. Yeah, Yeah.
1: and I do remember, like, I remember seeing, um, I remember seeing the, like, different moments. I mean, lots of performing, um, but going to see Phantom of the Opera or going to see Johnny and June, saw them as really a little kid. Yeah, so seeing them together. My brother was, like, an obsessively huge fan. Really? And so, yeah, these early memories, you know, and then, And you too, seeing the one with the the TVs, the Uh, TV tour. uh, What was that called? Zoo TV.
0: Greatest tour of all time.
1: Yeah, it was so over the top, and um, just didn't know. I mean, yeah, sensory overload. But these little moments where you're just trying to, some of that feels so cliche. But I think it's important to just say these were shaping whether or not the the fashion of who you like or who you don't like changes mm-hmm. how we are affected by those moments is important yeah and it's like important to remember it you know yeah because I think those I think some of those moments led to um they they weave together to become who I am you know
0: mm-hmm. yeah so okay so then you came to music school mm-hmm. was it was it with the goal of being an artist
1: well I didn't really no I didn't have an, I didn't have um Ambition around like being a performer at all, um, I, I had that light bulb really didn't go on for me. It was more I always thought I would like teach music or my dad was a teacher, so I loved the idea of education. Yeah, um, and thought about music education. I loved my elementary school music teacher Miss Schmidt. She was awesome, and just I remember just kind of her setting the table for that, and thought yeah I'd love to do that. You know. Um, so I think initially I was looking for I, I was looking for music education degrees, that kind of a thing. Um it seemed sensible. I'm Midwestern, you know. i I have no interest in being like a starting artist. I don't need the drama of it either. Yeah. I wasn't interested in that or being in front. Um, but that was naturally happening as I was in bands and, and writing songs and performing and um and see one of my favorite places that I saw that coming into view was like writing songs for people like writing songs for friends weddings even as like a you know high schooler mm-hmm. for my siblings or for friends in the church or for people in the community and it was like um putting words to somebody's experience yeah. or some you know and personalizing that i think was um it was a a practice that i'm still doing in some way or another mm-hmm. you know and um so going to school for music was at first, I thought maybe music business because again, I wanted something practical. Like I didn't, I didn't know if I really wanted to actually study music. Um, but then once I got there, I went to Belmont, and um, I think I, I had so much idealism around the art, artistic side of it that it was, um, that, I didn't know if I wanted to get too far into like finance and mm-hmm. economics and that side of the music. So I took some publishing. It, and some composition things but mainly i just I, I just stayed in the performance track i was undecided for a year or so
0: yeah hey <laughs> i think in a lot of ways i'm still undecided <laughs> so
1: yeah.
0: so then you graduated you you had a degree i guess as a yeah, music something. Yeah, and then
1: I have a degree to, to be able to stand up on stage. <laughs> That's good. I'm still a rising sophomore. That's good. So. I have to bring my diploma just so that I can <laughs> have it there in the in the background in the green room.
0: Yeah. So you you put out your first record probably right after college. I mean, is that you started your yeah. independent music career kind of right away? Yeah. Have you did you ever have another job after college, <laughs> or have you always been a musician?
1: No, I I didn't. I I started out. Um, because during college I was already doing like gigs on in on the weekends and bookstores and mm-hmm. all that that thing. We've always you know Oh yeah. We cut our teeth doing that. And so I think once I I started nannying for a family that was part time during the weeks and then I would try to just find whatever hustle I could to do music on the weekends. And then that, um, yeah, within the first year kinda just was at this, at the other thing I think that was helpful is I set aside like a separate business account for that. So I had, um, <clears throat> I mean, not to say I didn't bounce checks all the time, but I still had two <laughs> business accounts. One was like, okay, I'm supposed to pay my rent with this one, and the other one is for CD or um, yeah, CDs and um, and whatever I would make from shows and and. The idea of, around that was just that I didn't want to be self-indulgent about it. Like mm. I didn't want to do this just if it didn't actually make practical sense, I didn't want to keep doing it because then it's um, it's really not, I mean, I could keep doing it, but not as a as a career thing that I'm interested in building. Yeah. It, even at that point, I don't know if I had it in the front of my mind like I'm trying to make a career out of this. It just felt like natural steps that mm-hmm. unfolded. You know, yeah. but at this point I wasn't thinking about teaching as much as like, this is what I do, at this yeah. point, you know? So yeah, the fir- my first record was um, in 99, it's called The Crucible, um, and uh, made that during my last year of school. And then just after I had, it, it, it was helpful to have like an actual CD to be able to sell. So mm-hmm. it helps that whole system of, the whole ecosystem of <laughs> making a living.
0: Yes. So, and then... So you, you started off kind of doing, that was sort of the alt-country boom that was when Amelia Harris was making all the great,
1: hmm.
0: like her second, you know, all the ambient.
1: Wrecking Ball. Yeah,
0: Wrecking Ball and Red Dirt Girl. Was that Girl like
1: mid-90s? I mean, that was
0: mid-90s yeah. and early 2000s. And, yeah. And
1: oh, that, yeah, you know, there she was, was. That's right.
0: There was all that great. I mean, Wilco and. Yeah. yeah it was, like there was so much happening in that space at that time. That, you were kind of, you were dead. I mean, you were in that. And you were, you had a couple records come out in the UK, I know that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So tell us about that. Just what was that process like? Like, how did you end up in that world, and, and mm. what did it look like for you?
1: Well, for the sake of like the thread we're we're talking about, like going from what I experienced as a little girl seeing Amy Grant mm-hmm. to what was happening in Nashville when I actually moved and lived here, mm-hmm. um, there was a pretty big shift because at yeah. this point, like. Um, like the world of Christian music started to become like its own, its its own. It had its own shape that was not the same as like. Um, it, there wasn't as much like narrative songwriting going on where you could kind of live in this middle space. Yeah, and so I think I, for a number of reasons, I realized once I moved to Nashville that I didn't actually want to be marketed or branded or or characterized by the title of Christian music. Yeah. I was a little bit cautious about it, just in, intuitively. So I began to kind of withdraw from that. And yeah. and and all that stuff that came up from my roots, like the Americana stuff, which we didn't call, I don't know what we called it, but it's pop music. Yeah. It was just a particular warmth and um, a little bit of a twang to it. And I mean, my first record wasn't overtly that, but as I moved in, that was kind of where... Yeah. Where I was, um, Patty Griffin was oh, a huge yeah. influence during that time. She was playing all these free concerts and playing with her, and she, you know, played three chords and just like um, take your head off, you know, <laughs> like yes. you just, I mean, it was really powerful. And to realize, like, oh, you can play an instrument in kind of a primitive way, and you're, and you don't have to be funny. You don't have to be an entertainer. You just just be yourself you, you know fine. i think i learned from her in that way so that was where those albums like gypsy flat road and then um and then moving into a partnership with a label a small label in london um well i was meeting peter collins who produced a few records for me yeah. and then we did a, we did some of those together so it was this it was this great blend his his forte he produced indigo girls records and so much incredible music mm-hmm. and i had listened to his work for years but his ability to hold space for pop, um, like just kind of world-class pop sensibility Mm -hmm. along with like the warmth of um, the Americana scene. And so we did a few albums together after that and that was a great experience. But I was still backing off of like I didn't – I I wanted to explore sacred themes but I didn't want to um, be drawn into a box Mm -hmm. of – like a marketing box that would say – this is, um, yeah, Christian music in in, in those terms.
0: Yeah. Cause, I mean, you were one of the few, we all, I mean, in that era, we all were in Christian music and didn't want to be in some form or fashion, or we wrestled with that. Mm-hmm. But you actually had a career outside of it, but then could still go play shows with Christian mm-hmm. artists, but it didn't seem to define you. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, I mean, that's pretty interesting. You were pretty unique in that <laughs> way that it didn't. It didn't get his hooks on you in that sense,
1: well, but then I'm married into it, so that was like a little <laughs> bit of like <laughs> I married into the Christian music world for you know twelve years yeah. and um but I mean we not we weren't in the I don't know, yeah, but it's really it's it's all kind of weaving together right, mm-hmm. and i but I think um having I think trying to navigate the changes as they were happening because of living in Nashville, I think um I mean it's just like anywhere else. It's like you don't you wanna be planted in a place, but you also wanna hold like an unfiltered expression of your own voice. Yeah. So um I had somebody the other day talk about the Psalms record and said, you know, that record doesn't sound like Nashville. And mm. it's like, well, yeah. And it's interesting you could hear that. We went to Brooklyn to do that record. But I'm I'm very thoroughly Nashville. Yeah, Nashvillian, And yet, um, to, to jump out of that context and, and go to Brooklyn for a few days and record an album, it was, um, I think it's interesting that you can hear place and you can hear influences and you can make choices about it. Like how, um, as I mean, you. I guess you can try to cultivate awareness to where you're like, oh, okay, these four, you know, sonic, Elements are going to make it sound this way. They're going to yeah. take it this way. So what can we do to reimagine this next record or what this project or mm-hmm. this idea? Um, just to be mindful of our place and continuing to use our imagination to make something new.
0: Yeah, you mar- you married into the Christian music world, <laughs> but you still kind of weren't fully in it. I mean, you were, right. You
1: know. it's like, yeah, But
0: then you put out a record of hymns, which mm-hmm. is at that point, when, I remember when you put that record out.
1: Yeah. The builder it, and the architect. Yeah, I mean, it felt yeah. really
0: natural for those of us that knew you, but I think it was probably a shock to people that thought yeah. of you as this alt country girl. Or something. Yeah, and then that's kind of colored the shape of the you know the releases you've had since.
1: Well, it was that was sort of an isolated incident because I and I had talked to like our friend Kevin Twitt about that, mm-hmm. and he was like he had nudged me for years, like saying you should do a record of you should do an album of your own hymns, you know, like of. Um, because it was happening on a, pri- like, privately. Like, that, mm-hmm. I was writing those. I've always written those. It, it came out of, like, a real personal place. And I'd had a, a really difficult year. I had a, a miscarriage and um, was, like, really low, like, for yeah. a while. And it was a quiet, even in that kind of a loss, it was the kind of, that felt like I don't really want to talk about it. Nobody really knows about it except the people that are, like, in close proximity. And... Um, I didn't have, we didn't have any other children at the time. And um, so it was like, it just felt like this time where, which is interesting. I think that's where I go in moments. It, it, I go to that personal expression of saying like, I need to sing true words. Yeah. I need to be in in these places, you know, and this is what gives me comfort. And this is where I experience the spirit of God moving in that. And so I, I think the builder and the architect was a personal expression, recorded it at home. That was the first. Um, first little toe in the water of home recording, hmm. and um, like I sang in the secret, I remember sitting on the edge of the bed and with a microphone. I was like, "Whoa, you can do this without like actually going to a studio!" And you know, it yeah. was like it was a revelation. And I guess it was 2005 um, and 2004. So um, all of those things combined, and then put the. Re- I didn't put it on my website. I didn't sell it through normal channels I put I because and I had our friend Matthew Smith was going to like help he was like going to help put it out you know like kind of manage the project but I told him I was like I don't I don't want to confuse people over like all of a sudden there's this like gospel record in the mm-hmm. middle of this context of what I'm building career wise But then even without any, you know, like even trying to marginalize it and not talk about it, it sold more than any other record. Really? Yes. So it was like, okay, what is happening? And that was fine. It it continues to hold its own space where people have attached to it in that way. Mm -hmm. And I think it has to do with several things as I look back on it. And I have more – there's more stories since then that we can get into. But, like, I think there are – there's a there's a a way that that was tapping into part of me that was more personal than anything i'd done before sure and people hear that yeah. so there's a magnetism to that and there's a way that people can find their way into their own sorrow by um, engaging with you know with yeah. you in it so there's something hospitable about that project and um, and it just and the, the quietness of it the reflectiveness was all kind of put, pointing me in a in a direction that I wasn't quite ready to go all the way there yet, but um, was a really special kind of documenting of that time, Mm -hmm. you know? So then I continued to make a couple more pop records. Um, uh, Red Red Balloon, I guess, was after that. And um, a a few side projects, um, all kinds of like things on this. And uh, Desire Like Dynamite. Yeah, Um, which is awesome. Thank you. I love the record. Thank you. Yeah. And each of these were kind of exploring new things. Um, most of which is like uh, there's too there's too much to to try to like I don't know how to talk about all of it in a simple way because it was sure. just definitely a journey. But so going jumping ahead a little bit, so then I continued the pop stuff and the Americana stuff, and then at about um, uh, so the Psalms album came out in what was it 2013. Um, and then that was a um, kind of a revisiting of that same type of spirit yeah. which happened at um with the builder and I had gone through was gone through a divorce and um it was sudden and and jarring and all those things and I was writing actually a lot of material at the time, some of which was narrative and some of which was like strictly from scripture mm. and as, as I've always done, like going to the piano and going to the hymns and, and the psalms is a practice, like a life practice for me. And I played some of these demos of the new songs to my friend Isaac Wardell, and he gave me some feedback on it, and he just said, Sandra, I think you're making two records. I think this is two albums, mm. and one of them is, is just all psalms. And then all of a sudden the light went on. I was like, oh, you're right. Like there were... Um, there was a lot of material and that was, um, that was what emerged. And, um, so decisively I wanted to plant my flag in that season with Psalms first, you know, I wanted that Mm. to be what goes forward and I wasn't really thinking much past what that would be. But incidentally, the other batch of songs are called Songs from the Valley and that's coming out in February. Mm. So it's not as, it's eight songs, um, they have been in process literally since the same time as Psalms, yeah. and um, but they're quiet. They're um, they're more personal, like well, they're not more personal. They're more narrative in terms of like uh, you know the Psalms are David's words, telling largely David's words telling his story, but he's telling our story, and then in a way we're continuing to do that. So writing our own songs about our own experiences. Is not less sacred than writing psalms. It's just, um, it's just that uh, it hasn't, and it doesn't have the endurance or the you know the hundreds of years of history and and so I think um, being able to explore both sides of that expression from the years of like playing you know singer songwriter music in clubs and bars and colleges and then having um, the the growing affection for um, songs within a sacred context, within a church, within um, my local church, you know, um, I I guess I'm trying to like hold two hands, like hold them both up and Mm -hmm. one in each hand and say, this is all um, coming from the same place.
0: Yeah. So around that time, oh yeah, we live right by a train yard. I I don't hear them anymore.
1: Mm. But and train sounds, yeah, yeah it's yeah.
0: magic. They're they're well, it's sort of magic, and it's sort of like it sounds like a horror movie
1: constantly because <laughs> it's,
0: it's where they slow down. Yeah. You just hear the brakes screeching yeah, you all do. the time. Yeah, that's great. Um Around that same time, I know you went on tour with All Sons and Daughters. I remember, oh, yeah. and I remember talking with you when you were on that tour. You seemed to be really excited about what you were. You were kind of I felt like you were learning a lot being on mm-hmm. the road with them, and sort of being in a role of. Leading an audience, leading a congregation, mm-hmm. there it was singing with you as opposed to singing to them, mm-hmm. and it felt it felt. and I remember in that conversation feeling like, "Wow, I've never heard you talk about this <laughs> like that." Um, and it seemed like when I listened to the the records, the last couple of records, I feel like I hear,
1: yeah,
0: I've heard a shift in sort of how you've approached that.
1: Yeah,
0: um, I'm curious, what was that experience like for you?
1: Yeah, it. Um, there are a lot of things forming at the same time. So the Psalms album. Um, came out, and I had been connected closely with a church in Houston, um, where they invited me to come and help. Um, kind of in between a t- time of transition for them, they asked me if I'd come and lead worship and on Sundays. And um, and I had had resisted that overall mm-hmm. um, for a number of reasons, but. Um, had a relationship with this church, and I just loved being there. And they were already singing; they sing a lot of things that seem a little bit unconventional for a Sunday. So I was like, "Yeah, I could, I mm-hmm. could do this." And I remember saying to Chris C, the pastor there, I was like, "If I say yes to this and I come, um, almost like extended staff, if I do this, I'm going to want to serve at a church. Like it's going to awaken this whole part of me." Really, you yeah. thought that? Then. Yeah, I said it to him, and he. <laughs> and um, while I didn't. Um, well, I wasn't able to like move to Houston. It really did open up this. This um, it was the right time for mm-hmm. me to learn that this is a um, a thing that I'm wired for. I'm wired for writing particular songs for particular people that help them to um, help help put words to our experiences, our suffering, um, our being able to lift our voices together when we're in. All kinds of different circumstances, in joy or in sorrow, and and so that year was really formative. And then the Psalms album came out, and my life kind of um, had major shifts. And and I um, and then I had an opportunity in Nashville to serve at a small um, Anglican parish, and that would have been a part-time position. And it was when I was wanting to be off the road, and it was really perfect timing, and and just kind of dovetailed with this new affection for wanting to serve the church in that way. And so, um it changed um yeah, my heart was shifting toward like uh not just writing songs about my own experience, but I want to write um I want I want to communicate with others. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? It's like yeah. from an internal to an outward um perspective of songwriting and expression. Um, whereas when I was, you know, 15 and writing those songs, I I had to practice my own language. I mean, all kids are narcissists, right? Like you kind of have to like <laughs> love yourself for a while and be self-absorbed to where you can begin to then open up to the world around you. Yeah. And then maturity is a is um like even now at this point in my life, maturity is a constant um opening up to others. You know, it's like and not in a way that denies the internal life that we have, but it's in a way that says, you know, Henry Nowen would say, and I say, I quote this a lot, but he talks about making peace with our own loneliness Mm. so that we can offer hospitality to someone else. Because if you don't actually reckon with that, you're constantly trying to fix or be fixed by somebody externally. But to sort of, you know, and from from the standpoint of songwriting, it's like, there is a way that you can open up the outsides, like kind of take the... Take the shell off of a, off of an idea or off of an emotion and invite somebody else to come into it. Yeah, and I think that's what was happening. And so I wanted other people to sing. I wanted choruses that other people could sing. And um, and it felt like a throwback to gospel music, to spirituals, to um, you know singing in the fields, um, and wanting to um, wanting to learn about that and. Yeah. I think that's been a, I think that was a major change for me that had to do with, like, age, maturity, circumstances, um, and just uh, the good news that we never really, we don't have to stay the same. Like, if you're a songwriter, you you know, or if you're um, a painter, or if you're a teacher, or if you're um, a custodian, I mean, whatever the role is, like, there's a lot of, there's just a lot still ahead. You know, and I think for me realizing, like, oh man, I'm learning a whole new skill set in my thirties. Like it's, it's like a whole nother world to learn how to write songs for other people to sing with me, not just how my voice sounds in this song. Yeah. You know, so Yeah. that was all happening. And so are you,
0: and you're still working at the church? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Three years. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: And what does that look like? What's, are you there every Sunday? Do you still travel?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm there just about every Sunday. We meet like evenings, so I can still do some some travel on the other part of the weekend, Friday, Saturdays, mm-hmm. and um, and I do tour some. Um, um, going back to what you said a second ago, when I first went out with all sons and daughters, I the first night, and I had we had had a friendship from songwriting and just being in Nashville together, and yeah. but the first time I played with them, and I don't think I realized that that all the lyrics were going to be up on the screens from, like, the first song. Oh, really? You know, so when I got out to play, I think it was, like... Of your um, songs, too. Yes. Can't Help Myself, or a song that, like... So I started playing, and everyone is singing the first... And they, they've never heard the song before, but they're singing with me anyway. And it was, like... And I didn't know what to do. And I remember... It's, was the worst nightmare. <laughs> no, it was, it was great. They were very warm. I can't remember where that show was, but... But I remember – and then I got so caught up in the energy of that, and I didn't really – it was so unfamiliar. And and um, and then I, I started, like, talking more like a church preacher or something. Like, in between songs, I was like, hey, everybody. I mean, I was like – I remember walking off stage, and David and Leslie were back there, and they were like, it was so great. And I was like, what did I just say? Like, who was that for a minute? Like, I had this, like – it took me a couple of days just to sort of settle in and realize I don't have to – I don't have to like start praying and or or be somebody else, like mm-hmm. on on in this performance mode. I just had to settle into that practice of like, okay, I want them to participate. And this is the idea. Mm-hmm. So how do I embody that in a way that feels natural to me and that I can still be myself? Yeah. And not have to like all of a sudden. You know, have a purple couch and lots of jewelry or whatever. I mean, it, and I'm not saying like it's yeah. what was going on in my head, yeah. is I went into a costume mode of myself for the first night because I was so like, this funny. feels strange that they're already with me. And uh, I'm used to being this introspective, like, you know, songwriter, you yeah. know?
0: Everyone's watching so, you feel your feelings. Yes.
1: Yeah. So it was, it was, uh, none of that was imposed by them or the audience. It was more just like um, another, an, a, uh, like a slight shift in what was happening, yeah. the, and getting used to it, and and then it's been it's been great, and I've learned actually to find a sweet spot in that where my preference is like trying to coach people um, like folk style, like giving them a chorus first, mm-hmm. teaching that part, or yeah. calling out a few lines and then singing verses sometimes, and just letting it meander back and forth mm-hmm. from performance to group singing and letting people, just trying to let them know what to expect. But... Um, yeah, you're leading. But yeah, yeah, I've had to learn how to do that because that's it's kind of more of a natural extrovert set of skills, and I don't have that. I'm usually... That's very scary to me. <laughs> so I want people to feel comfortable, but... Uh, it, t- it takes it takes some practice, I think. Still yeah. takes practice, and some days I'm really off, and I feel awkward in my own skin. But well,
0: I've not. I mean, it's been really fun to because I've, I've known you for, I mean, twenty years, and it's been fun to watch you to sit in some of those services, even at St. At Mary's, where you're leading. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, she's really <laughs> good at this, and I'm no. But yeah, you, it, seeing you do things, and they're all a little subtle. And I probably couldn't mm-hmm. name any of them, but just right. know, just knowing, like what she's doing really confidently is something I've never seen her mm. do and it's really fun <laughs> like it's really fun to see
1: yeah it's I, I enjoyed a lot and in my in my local church, I think for even that experience is very different than being on stage with mm. and um it feels different to me but um but I love it. and i and i I get caught up in that too. There are sometimes. I had one like, uh, like last month, I think <laughs> I was decent. I mean, I was like making fun of myself with the staff because I realized like after I got caught up in the recessional song and it was some gospel song. I don't even remember what it was, but I was like sing it, church. like i I said that in between some of the lines. And then I was just, more, I was like, after, I think I said that. I think I said that on the microphone, like in the church, I, but I was like so into it. Which and is not a shocking thing, but it is a shocking thing me. for Sandra to say. It was, it was sincere. It, church. <laughs> it totally was. It was sincere. And I just, uh, I don't know. So I guess being willing to be a fool and uh, and learn some new things is is maybe the thing I'm enjoying most.
0: I love that. What do your kids think of that? Because they've uh, have they do you feel like they've seen a shift in that or and they probably oh, get dragged along and have to sit and watch you lead at all these different things and
1: yeah they they um yeah they're quiet they're pretty quiet about it and um, they're the kind of kids that just take it all in you know mm-hmm. like they'll they'll ask questions every now and then but um, they've also been part of the Rain for Roots Projects and parallel to my journey into like church music has been learning to write songs for kids um, with these Rainforest Roots albums. And that has brought my kids into it and taught me about how to write singable melodies a lot more than any other experience has. Mm. That was not detached from that, learning to sing together. Yeah. You know, because if you can sing with the kids, um, uh, it's, you know, that there's something about that melody that's working. Yeah. You know, on a human level.
0: Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I hadn't thought about the fact that that would overlap mm-hmm. time-wise, but that mm-hmm. makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Yeah. And are you guys still doing Range for Roots things?
1: Um, we were kind of, we haven't, we did a, an album called Waiting Songs, which was Advent, and um, that'll be, we continue to kind of revitalize that a little bit. We sing mm-hmm. those a lot in, in December, but we're not doing any recording right now. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: Um. So no, so and you have this record's coming out. This new record's coming out in February. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of a little bridge piece because I'll continue to do. I have another. um, I'll continue to do songs for the church. Like that's kind of my Mm -hmm. my emphasis, but this one feels important to to put out. Um, I'm not going to do a lot of promotion or marketing around it. I'm just going to like. My hope for this album, "Songs from the Valley," is that um, that people would take one song at a time and give it to somebody who needs it. Like that this record mm. would spread by way of, hey, you've got to hear this song or this is for you, you know, that it would be very personal. Um, that's definitely how it was written. Yeah. And that's how I hope it'll be shared. And so we're just, we're doing vinyl and digital only. We're not going to press CDs. Um, and vinyl seems like a way of honoring it and saying, this is a piece of art that's important, but it's. And you have to be intentional in listening to it. Yeah. Yeah. You have to sit with it. So. I love that. Um, so I'm looking forward to that kind of coming out in the world and, um, and it's, but it will be a, it'll be a bridge. Like these aren't songs that you could sing all together, Mm -hmm. but they're still important. And, um, and so I, I hope that they'll be healing for people in various ways and give some space to give some permission to lament, give some space for people to understand that stories are, um, our stories are so complex You know, and um, there's joy in that, and there's sometimes uncertainty in that. There are unanswered questions in that, and I think um, I think that's very much in line with the practice of of the Psalms. But this one just is maybe a little more like twenty twenty seventeen. It's like or twenty eighteen, I guess, by the time it comes out. (laughs) It's more like in a contemporary voice.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I can't wait to hear it. That sounds just beautiful. I'm sure. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time. Thanks for yeah, coming over thanks, and Sandra. chatting with me about this. Yeah. Ah, that was really sweet. Thank you so much, Sandra, for coming over. Really, really loving your new record. It is, oh, it's beautiful. Uh, if you guys want to find out about that record, you can go to Uh, You should also check out, she's writing kind of a blog uh, about each song uh, once a week. If you go to com slash songs from the Valley Writings, her writing is just so beautiful. Uh, it adds so much dimension to the music there. Thoughts for meditation and prayer along along with the writings. And I think it's I think it's really worth your time. So please go check that out. com slash songs from the Valley Writings. Uh, for more about me and my music, andrewosenga.com, the podcast, everybody pivots.com. Thank you guys so much for listening and for the reviews that is so helpful Uh, i hope you are continuing to enjoy this podcast as much as i'm continuing to make it for you Um, we're about done with season two i think i have two more interviews to air before this season is done which is crazy Uh, but i'm lining up guests for the next season uh, which just means that i'm gonna take a few weeks and record a bunch more interviews Um, but oh man am i excited for who else is going to join us on the podcast in season three i can't wait Uh, But that's it for us today. Thank you, guys, and we'll see you next time. Now go do something awesome.